0: Welcome to the Midland Seventh-day Adventist Church. We hope our broadcast will bless you. Good morning. I'm here to read the scripture reading for today. It's in 1 John chapter 5, verses 14 through 21. And this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. And if we know that he hear us, whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desired of him. If any man see his brother sin, a sin which is not unto death, he shall ask, and he shall give him life for them that sin not unto death. There is a sin unto death. I do not say that he shall pray for it. All unrighteousness is sin and there is a sin not unto death we know that whosoever is born of God sinneth not but he that is begotten of God keepeth himself and that the wicked one toucheth him not and we know that we are of God and the whole world layeth in wickedness and we know that the Son of God is come and have given us an understanding that we may know him that is true, and we are in him that is true, even in his Son, Jesus Christ. This is the true God and eternal life. Little children, keep yourselves from idols. Amen. May it be a blessing to the scripture and to all those who hear it today. Thank you.
1: Happy Sabbath. Thank you for the reading, thank you the halls for the song, I really like them when they sing it and especially when uh, they sing my favorite song. So I also want to thank you all of you for being here today and those that are watching us from the internet, please feel welcome. As we discussed on my previous message, I mentioned that we as Christians, we are losing our battle because we are not using our most powerful weapon, that's prayer. We need to uh, use it on that war against the forces of evil. And today, we're going to look into how we can, for the lack of a better word, how we can weaponize prayer on this battle. But before we go forward, I just, since there have been a few Sabbaths since uh, I, I preached the last message because we had a lot of special Sabbaths, camp meeting, baptisms, a lot of different things, uh, I want just to remember, remind you of some key concepts we cover, And the first and foremost concept is that we, there is power in the name of Jesus. The second thing, uh, why that's so important, because praying in the name of Jesus is to pray based on his merits, and his reputation, and his authority. But above all, praying in the name of Jesus is join God in his mission to save humanity. So, when we pray in the name of Jesus, we take responsibility to be partners with him, in the salvation of souls. Uh, Reference to Jesus' name is not only like saying at the end, in the name of Jesus, Amen. That's not it. It's praying in his character. Like uh, our prayers have to be of the same character of his prayers. They have to be aligned with his motivations of love. In other words, we have to be praying and acting in a way that's consistent with Jesus' way of praying and acting. And uh, when we pray like that, then our prayers have power and have authority. The next thing is, can you flip that for me, Aaron? Is, as we saw uh, last time, we saw such amazing promise. God promised to do uh, a bunch of things for us. Just focus on the PowerPoint for me and leave it there because I think I can control from here. Uh, we saw some awesome promises. And the context of those promises is that we, uh, everything we do has to be for the honor of glory of Jesus. So what that means is that we cannot claim those promises for personal gain. I cannot pray in the name of Jesus to have a red Ferrari just because I want it. Uh, although uh, that's my desire, that's not any way aligned in God's mission or on purpose. Like So God is in no way saying that uh, we can ask everything for our own self's purposes. Well, Those promises, they, they relate to the church's mission to reach a dying world. We cannot apply those personal uh, promises for personal gain. And uh, the other thing that I want to remind you is that most of those promises, they had, like Jesus promising that we could pray for anything or another synonym of that word. And anything means anything. Uh, Let's not be shy to ask Jesus about anything because if it's, Anything that has to do with his mission to, sa- to save our, church, our, our kids, to save our family, to save the the lost out there, he will answer. That is our thing, the his purview. Nothing is shy. I mean, nothing is short. Like you frequently hear that phrase that uh, the sky is the limit, but in, within the context of the promises of God when we pray anything means anything not even the sky is the limit and uh, shh, I was expecting to hear amen. amen not even the sky is the limit amen. thank you uh, and sometimes we get burned down we get overworked uh, because we try to solve everything on our own power on our own mighty. And that's not uh, uh, just your problem. That's my problem too. I keep trying to solve the problems that come in front of me. With my own devices. And that's not God's way. Like I may even have like some limited success on that. But that wears me out. And that's what God don't want you to be weared out. Like if... Your concerns is to solve something that's a problem for the kingdom. Lay this to Jesus and leave the rest with him. A while ago, uh, on, when I told that first sermon, I told you a story. I'm going to repeat that story again. Because first, there's people here that didn't hear. And second, uh, because God impressed me to do so. Because she, that story also illustrates very well this. Like uh, when I was about to preach my last sermon that's someone that I preach here about prayer when I preach in Mount Pleasant almost two months ago, I had a very important meeting with uh, somebody from central to help me to nail down something that I really wanted to do. And the church there wants to do that's to open a ministry for the students at central Michigan. And, uh, was a hassle to get that guy to speak with me. He was the attorney of the school because we wanted to, them to lay out how they could help us to build a Christian club there. And uh, at that day, my wife was preparing some cooking. We, we, we had some guests coming at evening, uh, and a uh, uh, whole bunch of, uh, I suddenly blank out the name, Andre, Trigilio um, in English. No, bulgar, bulgur, yeah, bulgur, bo- bulgur bo- wheat. She was doing something as a, like an Arabic dish uh, uh, that's very popular in Brazil because we have a lot of Lebanese in Brazil, and uh, all of a sudden, like, she tripped or something, and a whole bunch of bulgur went through the pipes, and guess what? Clogged the whole system and that was like early in the morning like 9, 10 o'clock uh, when she realized that uh, our basement was starting to leak like uh, because unfortunately in my house the, the system goes and there is a drain on the basement and that drain is connected with another, another sink and if the exhausting system is like clogged that sink starts to back up and that was happening. And then I got desperate because we could not use the house. I had to do something. And I called every plumber on the book. When I called all the plumbers of Mount Pleasant, nobody could answer me. Like the nearest that could come was like a uh, when Thursday or Wednesday of the following week. And that was Friday. Then I started to call like on the adjoining towns. And I really start to think I have to change business. I have to become a plumber because those guys are full of work to do. Nobody could come uh, in a minute's notice. like uh, So plumbers are really busy. If you're looking for a job, invest on that. But anyway, then I, when I realized that I would have to do the job myself, and I'm not a handyman, I can do some electrical job because that's what I'm trained to do. But plumbing is not really my forte. Uh, And uh, I do have somebody in my church in Mount Pleasant that does this very well. But my wife said that, do not call Mark. Because if I even call him to ask, he probably would come there and fix it for me. But uh, we feel so bad because I did that thing before. I called him. How do I do this? 15 minutes later, he was there. And I knew that this day he told me ahead of time he would be very busy working in a different town. So I didn't want to him to feel uh, obligated to, to come and help me to fix this mess. And then I started to do the next best thing, watch YouTube videos to see how to fix that. And uh, so I figured out I had to buy this, that, and the other. I was gearing up to go. Uh, I first tried with the tools I had, didn't work. Spend a, probably two hours on that, and I was getting desperate. I, When I was about to go out, my wife said, like, uh, what about your meeting at Central? That what would, that meeting was, like, an hour away. And I said, like, honey, i going to have to call and reschedule because I can't leave you like that. Like, we have guests, we have, like... And I was torn because I really wanted to go, but I could not leave my wife with like the house in a mess with guests coming. And uh, so she insisted for me to go because she also knew that that was important for the ministry we wanted to develop. And uh, I was like, that was wearing me out because I was trying to solve the problem. I got my glasses and like I throw to the side. And I, I, then I turn to her. And I'm not mad with you. Like, I'm mad with me because I can't handle it. I can't take it. And then down on me, go and pray. I, I kneel down and I start to pray. I start to cry, sorry, God. And, and like I'm, I'm, I start to tell, like, God, I want to do your job. That has nothing to do with you but blocking me to go and do your bidding. Please do something. I know that you can do like that and you can unclog this thing. Or you can use something else. But help me. I can't take it any longer. I was like my, my nerves were like a... I'm usually a calm guy. But there are certain situations, especially when it affects my family. I really uh, go out. But I shouldn't. I should have prayed from the beginning. And uh, as I pray, I cry. I stayed probably five to ten minutes praying. Like you, I said to God everything I wanted to say. When I said amen, I was not even finished the last M of amen. The phone started to ring. The first plumber that I called, that was a guy that just have like a, a spot for me two weeks out. He said, like, and I had called him, like, three hours back. And I, probably other people had called him, too. And he said to me, somebody canceled last minute. And uh, I felt impressed to call you and put your name in front of the pile. Do you still need the, 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 the thing, the service? And I said, yes, please come. Fifteen minutes later, he was there. And I still had, like, fifteen minutes to drive to Central And do the meeting and uh, I felt ashamed later I even spoke with my wife like why I wasn't letting myself be so wearing out since God says I can ask for anything and anything means anything even a plumber Uh, so today we're gonna go back and apply those principles and expand them and to see how we can use prayer to have successful Christian lives and to win that battle of reaching souls for the kingdom. But before we go any further, we need to, since we are talking about prayer, prayer, we need to pray for the presence of the Holy Spirit so he can guide us in this journey. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, dear Father in heaven, dear Holy Spirit, we praise your name because you And you alone are worthy of prayer and praise. We ask you, dear Lord, to forgive us for our own self-centeredness. Forgive us for our own uh, self-sufficiency. We want to do everything by ourselves. Although that causes us stress and pain and all sorts of emotions... We never learn. We have to be constantly reminded that you promised to be with us and to help us with our trial. So, in the name of Jesus, I ask, dear Lord, help us to never forget that lesson that uh, we can ask you of those things. And as we study today, as we open scripture to learn how to use prayer as a weapon on our battle against evil, Help us to hear your voice. Help us to understand what you want us to understand so we can grow and we can live a stress-free life. Although we may have problems, although we have, may face giants that for us are unsurmountable, unbeatable. May we have the peace that, of knowing that you are there with us and that we, you hear our prayers. Bless us now. Give us your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Already. So, uh, a while ago, I had an experience that changed my prayer life. Uh, it, it left like an indelible impression on me. Me and my wife, we like to pray together. And we usually, we pray for people, for families, people from outside, people from my churches, even Strangers like our neighbors, people that we want to get those people to know Jesus. People that we know they have have troubles on life. They are in trouble and they needed to be rescued. And we were praying for somebody in special. Somebody that we liked very much. And we tried to help that person in each way we could. But like that person was in a point of her life. That she was taking decisions. Uh... They they were taking decisions that were just wrong. And we knew those decisions would lead to death. Although we were... We loved them. We wanted to help them. We couldn't. And... Uh, we just kept, like, praying and praying and praying and praying. And... Uh, because we didn't, like... Uh, we tried every other thing we knew. And nothing was helping. Uh... And we keep praying. One day, Tanya had a dream. And that dream was so impressive to her. That she thought the dream was from God. And uh, she told me the dream next day. Like uh, as soon as we wake up, we wake up together, we pray. and After we pray, after we do our devotions, then we talk a little bit about how God had impressed us through the night. Or like through the readings of the Bible. In that context, she told me the dream. And uh, uh, the dream was somewhere like we, we had that person that person was on a boat and uh, every time that person would fall from the boat I will get I would try to do something to get the person out of the sea or like I was like going all over and uh, but the person was every time and again and again at one time Uh, the person fell off and it started to drown and somehow I don't remember the detail now. I should have asked her this morning Uh, but somewhere I somehow I I was out of the picture so I wasn't there and the person was like finally drowning then all of a sudden the 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 water started to Solidify to a point that the person could walk and start to walk by herself towards the boat. And then she contemplated the person, he contemplated the boat for a little bit and entered the boat and could be back on the fold. And as I prayed to this during the day, I understood that like I had to step back and try to play interference and let God be God because he was the one that would be leading and rescuing that person, and then when she's back, I would be there to give her support. And uh, that was why that affected me so much, because God was saying to us, "We heard you. Now stay back and relax." And I still keep praying for that person, but in a different way, uh, praying for. He or her to, uh, like, actually praying, praising God because He was already acting, although I was not seeing any progress on the life of that person. And uh, I kept remembering that person in prayer, but not asking any longer because God already said, I got you. And uh, I started just to thank and thank and thank and thank. And later, studying the Bible, and, uh, that, that experience was quite recent, like was less than a year ago. And, uh, later studying the Bible, I actually found, uh, something, you know, like one of those texts that I, we never, uh, you read and read and you just, your mind gloss over. Like last night I was in a uh, vespers with, uh, some church members and, uh, I read a text from, uh. Acts 15, and I told a story of a guy that was uh, some fakers that were beaten up by a demon-possessed guy because they didn't have a relationship with Jesus. And somebody made a comment, I read the book of Acts so many times and I never really noticed that story till today. So it's, that verse, that passage of 1 John that we read, was one of those. I read and read, but never really sank on me until I was prepared to, until that uh, uh, experience. So let's like, take a quicker look on the core message of uh, uh, 1 John 5, 14 to 21. The Apostle John, he wrote this first letter when he was in his 90s. And uh, the first couple of generations that like, saw Jesus face to face or that interacted with the disciples were gone. And a lot of strange ideas were coming out. And uh, John reminded Christians that they have to have the confidence in our own salvation that's given through Jesus Christ and uh, that there was something transformative in God's word and uh, in that confidence that we have to have in Jesus that's the whole meat of the whole letter but uh, at the very end of this first letter he starts to go from the theory to practice he goes very practical. And he taught something that's very relevant. Uh, and uh, let's process this in parts. Let's first read again. 1 John five fourteen to 16. And reads like that. Now, this is the confidence that we have on him. That if, he, if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked him. And if anyone sees his brother sinning and sin a sin which does not lead to death, he will ask, and he and he God will give him uh, life for those who commit sin not leading to death. There is a sin leading to death. I do not say that you should pray for, about that. Our, un- upright, our unrighteousness is sin, and there is a sin not leading to death. So let's start with the the end. That is kind of the context of the, what I want to really out today. Uh, the first two verses, they give the instruction that I want to go deeper later, but before we go there, we have to read the last verses as well because they give the context of that instruction. Uh, He says that we have to pray for the sinners, for those that are failing, those that are erring, in in error. Uh, But he does say, do not pray for the sins that are leading to death. My question is, do not our sin lead to death? What do you think? Yes. Our sins lead to death. But why he's saying then. Don't pray for the sins leading to death. What he's really trying to say. Brenda want to say something different? No, I don't know. Uh, uh, so. Let's. Uh, if we read like a Romans 6.23. Paul says. All the wages of sin. Are death. Uh, but what he is really trying to say is that sins not forgiven leads to death. Early on the letter, John said in what is in 1 John 1, 1.9, If you confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all the unrighteousness. Decades earlier, Jesus had said as uh, Matthew 12.31 records That every sin and blasphemy can be forgiven, but the sin against the Holy Spirit cannot be forgiven. That's the only sin that cannot be forgiven. So that's what he was talking about. Uh, But what is this exactly? Why he was saying like that? What's the sin uh, against the Holy Spirit? Uh, Let me share an experience. When I moved to Mont Pleasant last year, I bought the house, and I didn't know that we are somewhat close to a a train track. Uh, It's not really close. I never really could find where is the track that I... But every time, every night, between 11 and 11.30 p.m., there's a train. And the guy likes to blow his horn right by my house, like... And if you know me, I'm a light sleeper. So I was already sleeping by them. And like the first night, poo, poo, I wake up. was another hour till I could get back to sleep. And again, night after night after night after night. But after a few weeks, I don't know when that actually happened. seemed that I got used with the, that horn. The brain still. Passing every night. I just don't hear it. Why? Because I got used to that. And that's somewhat similar to the sin against the Holy Spirit. Like the Holy Spirit is pleading on the hearts of every sinner. But if you're not hearing and not accepting His call, you cannot surrender, then you cannot forgive. Can, you cannot be forgiven. So, like, we get so used to sin that that's, don't even, uh, stuck any cords on us any longer. Like the train does not wake me up. I only know that he's still there because every now and then I go to sleep, uh, after that, uh, and lo and behold, he's still there with his, uh, whistle. So, another story that helps also to complete that, uh, that picture is a story I read. I was recently baptized. Somebody gave me the Portuguese version of a book from Roger Muno called uh, Incredible Answers to Prayer. And uh, he just relates his prayer life and things that he saw through his prayer ministry. He, prays. he used to pray. He died already for many, many different people. And uh, he tells a story about a guy called uh, Henry. And Harry was like a normal kid, but around his 20s, because of like drugs and all the things, like he lost his mind. Like he was crazy. He stopped speaking. He started to beat himself up. And uh, some some days he would beat himself so uh, powerfully that he would like bleed or like get a lot of bruises. And he was living there with his dad and mom. And that was wearing and out. Uh, one day uh, they uh, met Morneau and they invited him to come and it became clear to him that that was demonic oppression. That the boy was possessed. And Morneau started to pray for him. And he prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed because at this point he was with 31 years old they went to all sorts of psychiatrists, psychologists. He was committed at, at some point. Nothing could help him. So they started to pray. And after a few months, uh, like uh, they kept praying. And then all of a sudden, he started to speak. He became less and less aggressive. He asked for a haircut. He started, like, every day he was improving. But when he was basically normal, then he had another attack. He tried to kill his dad. It was awful. They, he ended up being committed again in a mental institution because his dad almost got killed. And then Mournou realized that uh, the devil was not going out without a fight. And he kept praying. He kept praying. And uh, uh, he instructed the mother like to pray for your kid. Like, uh, confess your sins and confess his sins. Because he cannot do this for himself at at this point, at this stage. And to cut a long story short, uh, about two weeks or three weeks later that he was committed to that mental institution, he one day wake up completely sane. And not remembering anything that had happened in the past 12 years. But a normal person. Come back home and was freed. And uh, why I'm telling this to you. Is uh, because that uh, tells us that we really have to pray for everyone. Uh, the problem uh, is that we don't discover what the Bible is trying to say like uh that anything can be forgiven but there is people that sometimes they are so damaged so damaged like this guy he was not even verbal he was not even thinking straight that they need our intercession they need us to do what they cannot do by themselves and that's why he was praying uh for them so insistently because Anything we can 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 confess can be forgiven, but what about when you cannot confess by yourself so that's why uh uh that message is so important because it made me think like, how can I know that somebody's beyond repair? How can I know that like let me just speak in daniel here like oh uh, he's his bird, like he's so worldly he he's way out there he's already crossed that threshold he's already singing against the Holy Spirit how can I know I can't that's there so if I can't I have to pray for him Till I drop dead that praying that's the real crooks that this message is sending us like that's the context of it when we pray for somebody we should put our judgment aside And we should pray for them, for deliverance, for God to create conditions for them to really seek things straight. To free them and like make them grow. And keep praying. We we cannot put uh, conditions for what God can do in the life of a person. And uh, it's not that God is unwilling uh, to work with the sinner. He wants to work with everybody. But sometimes he needs the moral authority to do so. Like he cannot just go back and to pick on Daniel again like go and touch Daniel's life and now Daniel is like the second Jesus like the best guy on earth. He can't do that. But if we pray and intercede for Daniel God can create situations where Daniel can decide for himself and he can start to lead Daniel step by step to his freedom. That's the spirit of a uh, of what I want to share with you guys today. That's the context of the of the instruction. So uh, what is really uh, the key point of that context? Is that why, why we have life, we have hope. We should never give up of somebody, even if we don't see any uh, improvement at all. That's the context of the promise that's found here in First uh, John five fourteen to fifteen. So let's de- delve on that now. Uh, but before we go there, there's something that I want to show you. Do you see this picture here on screen? That's something that the Bible scholars call a chiasm, like uh, when a when it's a very uh, popular device in, in Bible, on in the Bible, where the author he structure a chapter or a book or even a couple of verses like a paragraph like that one in in John, where uh, we have the first part of the paragraph or the first phrase matching the last phrase, the second phrase matching the second to last phrase, and so on and so forth to the middle. And the middle is the most important point that he wants us to really get it that clues everything together. That's the way First uh, John 5, 14 and 15 uh, are written. So let's read that text again. Now, this is the confidence that we have in him. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of him. Do you see the parallelism between the first phrase and the last phrase? Let me make it easy on you. First phrase is like, uh, the first statement is about having confidence in God and the last statement is about knowing that God uh, will give us what we ask so they complement each other like I have faith in God because I know I gonna receive what I ask in faith according to the rules like like to ask in the name of Jesus not for my own gain for me, like for the advancement of the kingdom and whatnot. But uh, let's take another step and let's see how it looks now. So we have confidence in him. Parallels with we have the petitions from him. So uh, let's back to the let's get back to the text to look to the next parallel. The next parallel is the second phrase. If we ask anything according to his will, is parallel with the. Before the last phrase, if we know that He hears, so you can immediately notice one thing: both statements start with the "if." What that means is up to us. It's a condition. It's a condition. If the first two statements they state like that, God hears and God delivers. Those are two facts that show base everything we do. That certainty. But there's something that's up to us. And what's that thing? We have to ask according to his will. According to his name. Like asking the same things he would ask in our place. And uh, the other thing is like we we know that he hears us. What that means? What's the condition here? If we ask, we hear. Okay. But like I want a little bit. I want to rephrase that a little bit. He's trying to say that. uh, We should pray. Because with assurance. That he hears. And that he will give us. If we pray like that. Then he answers. And that's the final statement by the way. The chiasm look like this. Because. Uh, We have confidence in Him because He delivers what we ask. And if we pray according to His will, and uh, if we pray knowing that He is giving this to us, knowing that we already receive, then He hears us and He delivers. And that's the key thing that took me like probably 20 years or more to really get a grasp on. In other words, when I came to understand that wonderful truth, understanding that God hears our prayers, and I have to pray with that certainty that I, he hears and I already receive it, even though I may not see the physical evidence of that receiving right away, as I mentioned to the, on, on the experience of Tanya's dream, that took another year almost, But I kept thanking God because I knew he hears. And because I know he hears and because I was asking in accordance of his will about the salvation of somebody. I knew he would give it and I start to thank for that. We have to start to pray like that. So our prayers can be heard. Uh, That uh, brings that... uh, guy there. I don't know if you guys ever heard about George Miller. He's, a, he's very famous, so I'm assuming most of you already heard about him. He was a drunkard. He was a bully. He was like the worst person ever till his 20s. And one day, he heard something in a house of one of his friends that changed his life. Made him like, oh, I want to surrender to Jesus now. And uh, he started to work in ministry and. Uh, he made a very, uh, I start with a small orphanage that at one point was very big. And over his life's ministry, he raised, uh, over 150 million dollars in today's money without asking anybody how his needs were provided by God through the years. Like, like, uh, I even remember a story I read, uh, like, uh, they had a bunch of kids, but they had no money. Like, they had eat their last loaf of bread and last milk the night before. And they didn't have any money. Anything. And he prayed. Uh, his aide was like, we don't have any food. Like I do not. God, you take care of it. I... it's That's his work, not mine. They were still talking. Somebody knocked on the door. Ah... Uh, a milk truck uh, broke its wheel right in front of the orphanage and will take forever to fix it with no refrigeration. The guy thought, like, why, why leave all that to waste? Do you want it? He said, yes. few minutes later, the city baker showed up like, oh, that's bread like we I don't remember what the problem was, like I don't remember if he missed the recipe a little bit, and it was not like as good as he wanted, like but he donated, so they had everything that they needed for that day. But the story that I really want to share is like when he got baptized and when he really understood prayer, he started to pray by five of his friends that were like like him, drunkards, good for nothing, bullies. And he prayed for those guys like every day, every day, every day. And he was certain that God will hear his prayer. And, uh, and, uh, like, uh, he prayed and prayed. And, uh, after three years, the first one surrendered his life to Jesus. And then he prayed and prayed and prayed. Six years have passed. And, uh. After those uh, six more years, uh, I, I mean, after five years, the second one turned his life to Jesus. Then he kept praying for six more years till the third one uh, surrendered to Jesus. And he kept praying, he kept praying for another 40 something years till the day he died. And the two. Never converted while he was alive, but years later they uh converted and surrendered their life to Jesus. So, can you imagine that surprise that he was gonna have in heaven finding his friends? So, uh, God, when we ask in God's name, he hears and acts. We may not see it, we may not even see in our day, but if he promised. He's going to give you the peace that He's hearing you and He's going to deliver. May take forever. Again, as Miller, you may only discover on the New Jerusalem, but He will do it. That's perhaps uh, with that certainty that, that God hears, is why the, the psalmist wrote uh, that phrase on Psalm 116, verses 1 and 2. I love the Lord because he he has heard my voice and my supplications. Because he has inclined his ear to me. Therefore, I will call upon him as long as I live. And I wish that is what you're getting from this message. Like, God hears. We can ask him about anything. And he We'll do it if we do align with his will, with certainty that he, he will receive. But I want to share uh, uh, something that I read from Ellen G. White that really sets the stage of, for my last story and some summary bo- bullet points that I want to you to bring as your take-home uh, lesson for today. Uh, we do not understand as we should The great conflict going on between the invisible agencies, the controversy between the loyal and disloyal angels. Over every man, good and evil angels strive. This is no make believe conflict, it's no mimic battle, it is not mimic battles in which we are engaged. We have to meet the most powerful adversaries, and it rests within us. determine which shall win. We are the key pieces on that conflict. And she continues, uh, we are to find our strength where the early disciples found theirs. This all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as the rushing of mighty wind And filled out the house where they were sitting. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. We do need to be filled by the Holy Ghost. And uh, we do need to uh, understand we are really at war. And to illustrate that, I want to share a story that a friend of mine wrote We used to work together at the general conference. She works there as a volunteer. She's one of those that live by prayer. She is like such a... Someday perhaps I'm going to invite her to preach a sermon or a series for us about prayer. And uh, her name is Melod Mason. And uh, she wrote in one of her books a story that really got into my ear. Because uh, later I met the person. Uh, And she tells a story of... uh, church plant in vietnam like a group of church members like just a handful they were trying to plant a church in a village that was like 150 miles from where they live and the church prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed for that village people that they didn't even know and someday somebody from that village walked in the little group they had a home group and uh That person started to study with them, got baptized, and felt I I should go back to my village. That village that they they were praying for so long to preach the gospel for those folks. And she went and they kept praying. But as soon as she arrived, something very bad happened. She started to get ill and ill and ill and ill. And uh, when they heard the news that Hen that was her name, uh, was sick, the pastor, Pastor Yen, he gathered his group, let's pray for her, like, we pray for that city, God provided a way, she was making stride there, and uh, teaching all the people about God, but now, God will have no witness on this town, God didn't send like half answered prayers, so we have to keep praying, and interceding, then they keep praying, and the situation just got worse. After a lot of exams. She was she was like. Uh, she had stage 5 cancer of. I can't remember where. But. So she was living her last days. And they kept praying. They kept interceding. And. Uh, uh, one day they called. And they spoke with. Hans uh, H- 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 uh, sister. That was her caretaker. And she said like. The doctor says like she probably will not live after today and then they said to her like uh okay uh kneel with her kneel at her side and read on her bible psalm 30. read there and pray this with her she was not a christian so she didn't understand. she thought she thought it was odd forgot about it didn't do it and they kept praying kept praying the next day she died. And uh so they started to prepare the burial. And uh when she was uh her sister was preparing she reminded what the, the pastor had said like to read that psalm. And he said not only read that psalm but read that psalm with hands name on it. And then she thought okay perhaps I should do this as, as a, like a burial. Uh, ceremony like that, the Christians do, and uh, she he she started to read. I'm gonna read for you guys in the way she read it. I cry out to you, Lord, and to the Lord I made my supplications for Yen. What prophet is there in Yen's blood when she goes down the pit? Will her dust praise you? Will it declare your truth? Hear, O Lord, and have mercy on Yen. Lord, be her helper. And suddenly, while she was reading, Yen got back to life. And uh, why? Because they kept praying, and God was not willing to have, to deliver a half answer to their prayers. But he knew that that would give even more impact on that city. We didn't know. They didn't know. But they kept praying, and when she came back to life, she became a powerful disciple in that town. And uh, not long after that, they had uh, over 150 people on that little town. That just a year later, they had none. Why? Because people kept praying because they understood that battle that Ellen G. White is talking is real. And that we need to use our weapons in the right way. So uh, I want to close with uh, some of the principles uh, that that ex- that story showed us, and that we can extract from the Bible. First one is set God-sized goals, like ask God the things that are outside of your control, and don't. Don't be afraid to ask something bigger because maybe big for you, but it's not big for him. The second principle, and i'm gonna send those with the Bible verses to Carol this afternoon, so you can look up on the church website the pray specific prayers, like this pastor they, he was praying not for like oh sin. Do something like fuzzy, like no. They first pray. I want, we want, dear Lord, to plant a church in this city. We are praying for this city. Please send somebody. And God sent somebody. Then, when that somebody was, got converted and then got sick, they started to preach, to pray, God, your name cannot be not proclaimed on this city. You send us a witness, but now it's dying. Do something. Being specific and uh be persistent. Uh they kept praying even when they see no sign of uh hand getting better, like she was getting sicker, sicker, sicker till finally died, but they kept praying. Uh and that one is important, don't pray out of your hat. Claim God's promises on Scripture, because that's what He's saying He's going to do. So use them, get to know your Bible, read it, so when you have the need, you know where those promises are, and you can claim them on your life. And then pray with faith uh, and God will answer your prayer. And uh, I want to finish that sermon today with uh, a request. We are talking about prayer. We all have those issues, those problems that we try to solve. So I want you to stop and get in groups or two or three. No more than that. Maybe even your own family. And talk with each other for like 10 seconds. Just, you don't need to elaborate. God knows. Just sell like I want to pray for that. That's the problem, the God-sized problem I want to give to God. Maybe a relative that you want to uh, come to faith, maybe somebody that is astray, maybe a problem that's uh, uh, impeding your ministry to grow. Put those things before God and pray. Each one of you do short prayers and then I'm going to give you about No more than a minute, and then I finish from here. Can you do that? Because I can't finish a sermon about prayer without actually praying and having everybody praying for each other. Let's do that. Dear Father in Heaven, I know you're still hearing the prayers of our brothers and sisters. And uh, I know... That you hear hearing them. And already acting upon them. Although we don't. Uh, we may not see it. Help us dear Lord. To seize that powerful weapon. That's prayer. And let's us incorporate. Prayer in our life. In such a way. That we, get, we give to you. Each problem. Each giant that we need to fight. Each things that troubles you troubles us, and that block our ministries to go, to grow. Let us give those things to you, because they are giants for us, but for you, they are nothing. So help us to really understand that we can give everything to you, and if I might add, we should give everything to you first, even before we attempt to solve it. Because there is things that we may think we can solve it, that are on our own realm to solve, but they really belong to you. So help us to have the discernment, to uh, hear your voice, and to know the difference between one and the other. And we only will do that if we come to you first in prayer, even before... We draw all the weapons. Let's draw the first and more powerful weapon that we have. That's prayer. Help us to be a praying church. We pray for so much different things today. But uh, I ask you, dear Lord. Fulfill those prayers in our lives. So your name can be glorified through us. So people in Midland can hear your name and can uh, start to love you and to want to serve you because they are seeing that we are a praying church and God is operating uh, wonders in our midst because we are putting ourselves aside and letting God be God. I ask you, dear Lord, help us to be bold and to surrender to you in prayer so you can, we can ask all those things that really are impediments for this church ministry to blossom And we put all those things in your hands. So help us to keep continually praying and already thanking you because we know that you answer prayer. And we know that if we we ask in your name, in your character, in according to your mission, you will hear us and will deliver us uh, from the problems we are submitting to you. I ask you, dear Lord, special blessings for each one of us and even those that are watching through the internet. May they also feel your presence and your spirit with them, not only here, but every day through their lives. And as they surrender to you day after day, may they start to see those uh, answered prayers on their lives so they can have their faith fortified on you as they see that you hear And as they see that you are not only faithful, but powerful to do what you say. Bless us. Give us peace. Give us your spirit. That's what we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: You have been listening to the broadcast from the Midland Seventh-day Adventist Church at 2420 East Ashman in Midland, Michigan. If you are in the area, we cordially invite you to visit our church Saturday mornings. If you are a distance away, we encourage you to continue visiting our website and weekly podcast at midlandsda.org.